Hello, everyone, and welcome to the You Should Run podcast. I'm Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, uh, which is in the Philadelphia area. And if, as you know, if you've listened to past episodes, uh, and I am originally from Pittsburgh, Allegheny County, home of the Steelers and Penguins. And today I am talking to someone from that part of the country, the one of the best parts of the country, not as great as Bridgeport, of course, no place is. And her name is Nicola Henry Taylor. She is running for judge in 2021. If you've listened to some of my past episodes, you know that I've spoken with some people who've run for judge in Pennsylvania, New York, uh, including Tiffany Palmer here in the Philadelphia area. And while judicial elections are um, important, the things that people can run on are different than what you can run on for state legislature or Congress. Uh, The things you can do as a judge are obviously different. And the turnout is often very low. And it's important to not just run for judge, but vote for judge and be involved because these people make incredibly important decisions in our lives. And we're going to discuss some of them today. Um, Before I finish here, I just want to tell people to go back and listen to particularly um, my episodes with two impeachment managers, uh, Jamie Raskin, Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland, and Congresswoman Madeline Dean. You can find those in the archives. Uh, The impeachment of Donald Trump part two is um, not covered in those, but you can learn more about them. And uh, again, look for the Tiffany Palmer episode um, that might add some more uh, information to this discussion today. So with that in mind, uh, um, Nicola, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate you inviting me. And I could not agree with you more. Courts are so important. And if you don't mind, I'd love to explain what the Court of Common Pleas is so people know why it's important. So every county has Court of Common Pleas judges. And depending on the size of the county, you may have uh, many judges. I worked in Clarion County at one point, and Judge Alexander was the only Court of Common Pleas judge, so he heard everything. And the type of the cases that the judges will hear are orphans court. Those are types of things dealing with uh, guardianships and wills and estates. And there's a family division where we're dealing with custody, divorce, uh, support. There's also criminal division, which everyone is familiar with. Um, and, and we're hearing a lot about that in the news. And there's civil division. For example, if there is um, a car accident or landlord-tenant matter that, that comes up from the magistrate's office. So it's usually individuals suing each other. And sometimes there's commercial litigation. As you can hear from, and, and I'm not even touching on all of it, every person's life in every county can at some point be affected by the Court of Common Pleas. So it is extremely important. And one thing I've know, learned from meeting people running for judge here in my county and talking to people on this podcast is, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, my friend Tim Briggs is my state rep. He can say, I'm running on increasing access to health care. I'm going to overturn this bill. You can't do that, right? You can't say, well, if I'm elected, I am going to prosecute or throw someone in jail that I don't like. That would probably be unethical. Right. And there there are actually rules of ethics for people running for judge. And um, we're allowed to speak about our experience, our training and uh, some visions that we have. But it's not like running for state rep, for example, as you pointed out, we don't have platforms as such as as other uh, people would. But I'd love to talk to you about some of the experiences that I've had and what I what I would love to to um, work with other judges on to improve the justice system. And, and not just the criminal justice system, because that's what a lot of candidates are mm-hmm. talking about. But as I said, 
um, our courts are extremely important and there's a lot to it than, than criminal. And I am a former prosecutor who handled mental health court. So I have, uh, and I do criminal defense. So I have personal experience on how important the criminal justice system is. Yeah, so the thing that you can bring to a campaign or to voters in general is how you, your experience colors and affects the way you would be a judge. So what kind of experience um, do you bring uh, that may be applicable to being a, uh, to being a judge? Thank you. So I have been a judge, I mean, a, a lawyer for approximately 25 years. And in that time, I've had the opportunity to work with, as I said, I was a law clerk for Judge Alexander and Clarion. I worked in uh, Butler County with the president judge, Judge Durr. Um, so I'm, I'm familiar with that county and, and those clients. I've worked doing uh, government work, being a prosecutor. I have worked as having my own practice for 10 years, um, doing family and criminal and being an orphan's court, uh, parent advocate work and being appointed guardian ad litem. Uh, I have had clients of different stripes, uh, different types of uh, issues. Many of my clients uh, have uh, mental health issues, have drug and alcohol issues, and sometimes uh, intellectual disability issues. And so having had that diversity of experience in my law practice helps. Also, my own background brings a lived experience that is very diverse. I am an immigrant. I was, um, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I am a transplant to Western PA which I will agree with you is a phenomenal place to live. Mm -hmm. I love Pittsburgh and Western PA. And um, having those experiences, I've represented a number of immigrants and um, understand that we need to ha have things like language access in our courts. And we need to make sure that everyone um, it, it gets notices in the right, um, in different languages and that our websites are are um, accessible to people and that hearing impaired people have accessibility. I know that Philadelphia does a phenomenal job on that. I've met Judge Chen. Uh, she's come to Pittsburgh to talk about those things. Um, and we're doing a good job. We have a great president judge, Judge Clark, but we can improve those things. Um, and so my, my background um, as an attorney, as well as what I've done in my work, um, and in my lived experience, I think um, helps me to be a standout amongst a field of maybe 35 other people vying for nine seats. Nine. It, that is one of the hard things about running for judge, too, is I, I don't know what's harder, running in a race where you have to be the first one or being in a field like that and trying to get one of nine spots. So you have to stand out and win. Not the same percentage, but there's so many people that could get ahead of you by getting 12% of the vote. So right. that makes campaigning complicated in a different way, right? Right. So one thing that um, our campaign recently has done is we've aligned with two other progressive candidates. I heard about um, that. Yeah. Um, so public defender um, uh, Lisa Middleman and Mick Pappas, who is a, uh, he's a magistrate district judge. And I think... All three of us bring something different to the table. And so what we're doing is because none of us are seeking the Democratic endorsement, um, we then will not have resources that others might have. Like right now, petition season just starting. Um, mm -hmm. We have to all get our petition signed to get on the ballot. And if we are pooling some resources to help each other so that we can get to that end goal of, of being on the ballot um, and, 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 and 
hopefully have the people, the voters choose uh, who is going to be on the bench and not, you know, not necessarily uh, people who may be in certain positions. But we want to bring it to the voters as we think it should be. So, and I appreciate that. Um, one thing that you brought up that I wanted to ask about is you say you have 25 years of experience in the courts. It's been a very, I guess every 25 years is significant. You can't pick out a boring 25 years in American politics, but uh, American life. But we've had a lot happen with uh, not just Black Lives Matter recently, um, though it's not a 2020 phenomenon, right? It's been going on for a few years here. Um, you have social media. Um, understanding of people with disabilities. Um, what do you, how have the courts changed? And do you think that, um, I think that a lot of judges or judicial offices may not um, have seen all of the changes happen, right? Like things are a lot different now than in your 25 years of working in the courts. Well, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot, there's, there's kind of two major things going on. We have just our country uh, you know, we just we, we have new leadership and what was going on had bubbled up and we had uh, people protesting about social injustice and people, I think some some uh, people in law enforcement who are not the good people because there are really good people in law enforcement, mm -hmm. but those who felt emboldened to to do things that were inappropriate. We saw that there were, uh, you know, tapes release of officers saying inappropriate things. And so we have that going on and people being more conscious about cash bail and systemic bias and implicit bias and pulling people over and over policing black and brown communities. So I think that's one thing that we saw bubbling up. up. But in addition, COVID happened. And in, because of COVID, I believe, even though there's a lot of um, things that happened with people being stuck in jail and, and being exposed to COVID, there's been some positives with the court. They had to adjust very quickly. And in Allegheny County, things that we thought would never happen, such as a bail hearing by phone, uh, a, a plea um, or um, detention hearing via video, that, was, that would have been said five years ago. There's no way we could do that. We have to have everybody in the courtroom. Now with COVID, it has forced the court to be creative. There are things like pretrial conferences um, that we used to all go in. The DA would have two boxes. That's the district attorney uh, full of cases. The, the, um, the defense attorneys would all come in the courtroom. And we thought that all had to be done in person. Now it is being done um, by paper and more electronically. We do miss out a little bit on the human interaction and having discussions of how we can resolve the cases, because when you're not seeing each other, you're not having those discussions. So that's a part of I think we're going to have to find a way to balance between mm -hmm. after COVID, um, how how the courts are going to adjust and how the lawyers are going to adjust, but also um, making sure that although we can do some things efficiently, we never lose the human element, because ultimately, we are doing all of this. The law is about people, people's lives, somebody's liberty, somebody's child, um, somebody who could have a protection from abuse against uh, order against them. It's always has to be centered around the human beings whose whose lives are being touched. Yeah, and you talk about. I know it's very common in judicial elections or anyone running for that kind of position, district attorney, sheriff, uh, to talk about victims' rights. But there's people have rights on both sides of the court, right? Um, right. how, and how can you assure everyone's rights in a court? What, what can someone as a judge do to make sure that both the, um, the person being victimized and the accused, um, that they know that, well, Nicola is a fair judge for everybody, not biased towards one side or another. 
Well, I think that there's a couple of things judges can do. So first, within the courtroom that they run, they should be making sure that everyone in that courtroom that touches people that walk in there uh, treat everyone with respect. Everyone is knowledgeable about trauma informed. Mm. Um, you know, people that come to us um, are broken oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And so something as simple as um, giving a stern warning or touching someone could be, that could be another trauma for that person. Every time they need to come back to the courthouse, or even if they're not physically there, because I did some conciliations by uh, teams today on, on Microsoft, but I could see anxiety in my clients building up before every proceeding. Mm -hmm. So making sure that the judge in the her or his or her particular courtroom is a leader and sets the tone of utmost respect. And I have some wonderful examples of judges that I practice in front of. And I've also been on the other side where it is not that. And, and people don't feel comfortable. People are being yelled at. And so I think setting the tone in their own courtroom. The second thing they could do is not just be a leader in their courtroom, but lead with others by having um, work groups that the judges can be a part of and hearing from the employees, hearing from others within their court system. And then beyond that, there are best practices throughout the states and state and there in Commonwealth. And there are groups uh, such as the um, Supreme Court Interbranch Commission on Racial, Gender and Ethnic Fairness that has different committees um, such as um, such as uh, human trafficking or uh, cash bail, that you're always being intentional about looking at how can we keep being better. I think um, that's why this year is such a good opportunity because nine out of about 44 judges will be um, will be replaced. And if you get in nine good judges who want to to see things reform, I think that you could see that in Allegheny County. Um, you know, as a young DA, I never thought it was possible for me to be a judge. All of the judges, mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, except for Judge Allen, who was an African-American woman who went to the Superior Court and ran for Supreme, all of them were white. Um, all of them uh, were male. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and so now I think we're seeing more women judges in different divisions. We're seeing... I will tell you, I, I, I hope we're going to see this year some more people of color on the bench. Um, this is something you may not know, but in the history of Allegheny County, we have only had four black female elected judges. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's I, diversity of thought. And, I, and I'm, I'm suggesting only people who are qualified. Um, and, and I think that will bring a sense of um of fairness, people will feel like they that they are being heard because they see other people in the courtroom who look like them. Um, that if you walk into a courtroom and you feel that there is implicit bias and there is explicit bias and no one looks like you, um, that's not a good feeling. And you know, and so um, there's a lot of things that judges can do to help to make uh, people feel that there is fairness. And and first and foremost is be fair. Mm -hmm. And People, you, this is, uh, Philadelphia is a little bit bigger, but I know uh, Pittsburgh sometimes feels like a big town. People talk and they know who is fair, who is uh, ethical, who treats people, who treat people with, with respect. So Yeah, and you know, the way you talk about it, I know it's not just that people would think that you're fair, but if people see that all of the judges in Allegheny County look the same, 
are of the same age or same race or same gender, um, same background, etc., then that creates an overarching picture. So maybe if you have... So the the difference is not just how people will look at you as a judge, but over time, I guess, you're trying to change to improve the perception of the courts in general, right? right? And we had a huge setback last year with the Judge Tranquilly matter uh, because uh, we have a lack of diversity in our juror pool. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the issues that we could really improve upon and look at best practices from other places and being creative as to how do we, who are we asking to be on juries? And if we, we know that, uh, um, the percentage of the people in the Allegheny County Jail uh, who are African-American far um, exceeds the amount of African-Americans in the county, then there's a problem. And so if they have to go to face uh, a judge and a jury and they don't have a jury, a jury pool to pick from that's diverse, and we want that for all of our residents. We want, but but I'm just, I'm, I'm bringing up this example along the lines of social justice. They don't trust. And when they hear that a judge has called one of the brave jurors that came out uh, and did her duty, uh, her constitutional duty, um, and sat for a jury and sat through the whole whole thing, um, and then you know had that experience. What we heard from in the community is other people didn't want to step foot in the courthouse. Mm. So when we have situations like that, we are it puts us back. And then you're absolutely right. I've had to to talk clients through and it's not just black clients sometimes it's I had we have immigrant clients so and even some of my white clients that don't feel comfortable and don't trust and so mm-hmm. having trust in the system by making sure that uh, you know letting people know we want you to serve we're going to put in some some efforts to make sure you know that you're important so civic engagement is how you can do that um, and there's some, some judges are doing a wonderful job. There's a judge in, um, family division, um, and probably a couple of them who's gotten some grant funding, help fix up the children room. Um, so judges can do things and can be servant leaders and can be active. And, and, and there are many examples of that in Allegheny County, but I, I think they're a newer crop. And I do think that we need, um, we do need some change, not, you know, and, and freshen things up a little bit, um, and 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 just have some new ideas and some new energy. You know, you bring up that trust issue, and one of the trust issues right now that's probably out of your purview is with the COVID vaccine. Um, you know, people there, there's no way to have a, a system that is completely fair to everybody. I think, right? And that's not to make um, to excuse anything, but um, you have a lot of people who say. That, you know, there are a lot of people in the black community feel like history says we're, we're, we're skeptical, maybe. You know, they're, they're right, certain places. right. Um, but one thing with the COVID vaccine, with the coronavirus in general, um, I spoke with uh, Allegheny County Councilwoman Bethany Hallam about this. Oh, is, that's wonderful. She's, uh, we're both from Ross Township and she's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, what did you have to say? I'd love to hear it. Well, and my grandma, my grandparents are from Ross Township and I recommend Belisario's Pizza. Um, <laughs> so, um, my, my point, but the thing she brought up is the concern about people in the jails with coronavirus and, right. and that it was a, this was in April of last year. Then that was right. before this recent horrible surge of cases. Um, there is a perception amongst people that it seems that the justice system maybe needs to be focused less on justice and more on, um, uh, toughness. 
And do you think, like, I, I know a lot of people who are like, well, they're in jail, so they should be at the last people to get the vaccine. Not, not counting the fact that just because you're in jail doesn't mean, one, you have a death sentence, or two, that you are guilty of anything, right? So what, what can you do as a judge to bring light to those injustices? Like, a lot of those people, what can you do to present some fairness to that system? Um, whether it's educating the, I don't know what, what, you know, is that something you recognize as well? So there is a jail oversight board and I know that, uh, um, Ms. Hallam has been doing a lot of work around that. Who The people who sit on the jail oversight board is the, the president judge, that president judge can appoint another judge to sit on it. And I think right now it's judge Lazera. There are mm -hmm. others that sit on it like the warden. But there's other there's there's other work that's being done with county council like council woman um, Hallam. As far as a sitting judge, what they can do, I, I believe that we have a very exceptional bar association in Allegheny County, and the president judge and other judges actually um, at times, Judge Walco sat on the board of governors, can be involved with the bar, and the bar looks into a lot of important issues like this. And and being and, and there's time when legislate there's um you know there's legislation on the table and and having the judges input if there's a discussion on well this is what's actually happened this is what's really happening I think those are some ways that the judges can be engaged um, and being a part of best practices discussions throughout again the the state as to what what we're going to do COVID really threw everyone for a loop because no one expected it and what it did it is it, it, it basically put a spotlight on the problems we have. The problems we have with people in that jail expand far beyond the jail itself. There are decades and centuries of inequities that we are seeing being borne out and, and you know, and, and there's some, and some cycles of families. I don't know if you know this, but there are actually juveniles who are charged as adults who are sitting in that jail. Mm -hmm. um, and and a lot of times those children who are in that jail may have had a parent that was in um, the state penitentiary. They have maybe their parent had been a foster child as well. So we we there's so many problems that need go beyond, um, you know, the fact that they're in jail. And, and I do I have heard those arguments um, about, you know, just, you know, they just need to do the right thing. Life is not that simple. Everybody was not born with the same um, um, privileges. And particularly uh, when you have mental health issues that are combined with drug and alcohol, or you may have addictive traits because your parents may have done drugs while you were uh, mm -hmm. in utero. Um, we know that there is systemic bias. There was a good report done by um, Dr. Sarah uh, good kind at University of Pittsburgh School of Social Work. Dr. Kathy Elliott at Gwensboro is doing a lot of work around this. There are numerous organizations in Pittsburgh working on these issues where if you were um, perhaps um, a child that was of a different persuasion, you may not have been disciplined in the same way. You may not have, and, and it just escalates to the point where you may ultimately not have the same uh, advantages for a career and, and you may end up being around people and getting in trouble. Now, I'm not trying to take away personal responsibilities, but because I grew up in, a, in, in not the nicest neighborhood and I'm, I think that I'm doing well. But I also know that um, there are problems in our systems 
and that the court can be a part of the discussion. And I know that Judge Clark in particular is because she's on numerous um, boards and uh, groups regarding juvenile justice. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I know that myself, I, there, I'm not wealthy, but I don't think I've ever been without. I've never wondered, you know, what I should do. My last name or first name hasn't right. kept me from getting a job. There, no one's ever said, well, Tony, that's a weird name. Right. right. And maybe they have, but you know, it's a different, obviously a, a much different situation. Um, so you have a lot of going on here. One thing you did say is you have a, um, a progressive slate you're running with, but you can't, like I said, as a legislator, you can say as progressives, we're going to pass this legislation as mm -hmm. progressives running for judge. What does that mean? And different from anyone else? Cause is mm -hmm. it a signal to people? Does it mean like, you know, as judges, we're going to do things differently than others would have. You know, what does that indicate to me as a resident of Allegheny County? Not well, that I, I think when you, first of all, none of us are going uh, for the endorsement. Um, mm -hmm. We are, we are, we are not um, being, and I'm a former uh, Ross Township uh, Democratic Committee person. We're not being bound by, uh, by that uh, particular system. Um, we have seen progressive uh, candidates such as Summer Lee, who was an incumbent, uh, not be treated fairly by the Democratic Committee. We are we are not allowing anyone to say to any of us uh, when it's our turn to run. We believe that all I believe every one of us believe it's our turn to run now. That's why we're trying to get on the ballot. And then more to your point as to what makes you progressive as a judge. I think that's a really good question because we we're not. Uh, it's not like running for something else. But I think it's what you want to change. Uh, and what and how you want to uh, to preside on the bench? I, there are a lot of candidates that are talking about criminal justice reform. Some of them have never done any criminal work. Mm -hmm. Some of them are lifelong prosecutors. I think that if you look at um, my background, having been a um, having been a defense attorney, and also doing when I was in the DA's office, I did not ask to be in the homicide unit or any such unit. I requested was my request to be in mental health court because those are very important issues if we can be helping people um, to not to not cycle in and out of the system and to find uh, the resources and supports they need to have a healthy life that was always something that meant something to me and i think that if you look at all three candidates who are looking at things like bail reform and 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 those types of things and not just as buzzwords but if you look at the work, the body of work, um, I'm a commissioner on the Allegheny County Human Relations Commission, which is appointed by the executive, Rich Fitzgerald. I am uh, the, one of the founding members of the Allegheny County Bar Association um, the Diversity Collaborative, which is now the Committee for Diversity and Inclusion. I work part-time for Duquesne Law as the diversity director. Um, I'm also on this new ad hoc committee for um, police use of force through the Bar Association, which is multidisciplinary. I'm on the Ross Township uh, anti School District Anti-Racism Task Force. I'm not going to keep listing, but I'm going to tell you, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is not just for publicity. This is the work I do day in and day out. And I believe that that's why we were comfortable to join together as progressive is because we, I think we all felt comfortable with each other that we were not just throwing out what the the, the uh, phrase of the day is, mm -hmm. uh, criminal justice reform. 
you know, the way you listed out, you answered all that, the way you list out your qualifications and um, the issue in Allegheny County, I feel like in a lot of places, Allegheny County in particular, there are a lot of people who are, um, have been in politics for a while, let's say, and not to cast aspersions, but they don't realize that the electorate has become more progressive in, in a sincere way. Like they right. think like, oh, the Democrat, this precinct is going Democratic eight to one, but being going eight to one Democratic 10 years ago or 20 years ago doesn't mean the same thing anymore right now. Right. I, I think that the voters may be moving in a direction that, that the um, decision makers may not realize. Is that fair enough there? I think that is a very accurate assessment. Um, absolutely. Uh, and it's interesting that some of the people who are Democratic committee people are also helping. There's all these different independent um, progressive groups that are popping up and they are they may be doing both. And I don't think that the the powers that be recognize that there's this organic uh, thing going on where people are passionate. We had to go through four years of a lot of, uh, you know, uh, negativity um, and, and, and strife in this country. And as resistance, people started just being more enlightened. enlightened. And, and we were, unfortunately, uh, with George Floyd, we didn't have a, ch uh, we had no choice mm -hmm. uh, with Judge Tranquilly. Uh, which was not only Allegheny County news, it was world news. Yeah. Um, you know, people became comfortable saying things and, uh, you know, after President Obama was no longer president. And what happened is, I think there's also a generational piece. Not all of the progressives are younger, but there's this, there, there's also this energy from a younger group that aren't, they're not going to say we have to fit into you know, we have to wait for somebody to tell us it's our turn to care. We're going to care when we're ready. And there's this other group of mature voters who are becoming enlightened, who are finding out inequities that they never knew existed because now that others are comfortable saying and doing anything uh, and, and, you know, stepping on someone's neck for eight minutes or more with impunity, uh, now people are becoming more aware of the fact that someone can be stuck in jail simply because they don't have money or they didn't pay fines and 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 or they don't have someone to advocate on their behalf and so um you know i think that people are becoming more aware they're becoming more um just active and not just sitting back and waiting for something to happen and to encapsulate all of this with your experience, I feel like from my experience of watching a lot of judicial elections, there's an expectation that if Tony Hiles running for judge, I'm going to talk about how I'm going to be tough and I'm going to not let anyone off easy. Um, but it seems like now someone with your experience, with a lot of experience, can feel easier about saying, I have this experience and I'm progressive, as opposed to people saying, I want a progressive to run. Who can we find? It seems like it's easier for someone like you to be open and do those things now than a few years ago. That's true. And you know what's really helped me? I don't know if before uh, uh, Kamala Harris was vice president, I would be throwing out there as much that I am an immigrant. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've always been proud, but it was always something I wasn't sure if it would be a selling point, particularly in Western PA. Uh, and, and I also think what opened me up a lot is 
I am a, one of the founding members of the Pittsburgh Black Lawyers Alliance. We spoke out very strongly about the Judge Tranquilly matter. My, me and uh, Frank Walker, a very well-respected African-American attorney, we were the spokespeople. We had interviews with the news. We had interviews with the newspaper. And I was so passionate, and so was Frank and, and Lena Henderson, who started the, the whole group and called us together at her house on a Saturday, that I, I think it was a liberating force. Um, and with everything going on in our country, I could not be quiet. Mm -hmm. I needed to speak. Um, because it is unacceptable that we would have this go on. And we were afraid that it would get swept under the rug. So it gave us the, um, the, the bravery that we probably would not necessarily have had at the level we had it, um, you know, prior to those events happening. Yeah, I guess make it easier for people to be brave. That's what someone like right. you can do, someone like Kamala Harris which I don't think it's enough attention because of all the other things going on that we accomplished that can make it easier for something and you might for others. Um, uh, Nicola, if people are interested in learning more about your, your background, if they want to learn, though you said a lot, um, they want to learn more about, you know, what it's like running for judge, where can they go to learn more about you and your efforts? Sure. We have a website. Um, it's www.nicola, N-I-C-O-L-A, the number four, judge.com. Great. I encourage everyone to go and look, not just if you're at Allegheny County, but to learn more about the kinds of people running for judge. If you are in, especially Pennsylvania this year, um, really research people running for judge, they, their backgrounds matter, their um, education, experience, etc. And I look forward to seeing what you can do in this campaign and you know what kind of difference that makes in Allegheny County. Thank you very much. Um, can I just do a plug for, there's a, a yes. pack in Philadelphia and Philadelphia has been very good to us. Um, uh, it's called Second Generation. They endorse me. And there's a, a, a gentleman, I think, from Philadelphia and another woman from Delaware. Three people who are either immigrants or, um, or children of immigrants. And we are all people of color. So if anyone wants to check that out as well, because I, I, I think that's an amazing group of uh, people that they put together. I'm very proud of that. What was the name of that group again? Second Generation. It's a pack yes. out of Philadelphia. Yeah, it's great. It's really good to me that people are bringing up issues like that and that, that hopefully we are fostering an environment where those voices aren't just in the corner, but they are as important as anything else. So right. thank you so much, Nicola. Thank and I, I wish you the best of luck uh, in the, the weeks and months to come. Thank you. It was very nice talking to you.